Hi, welcome back. My name is James Knapp. This is Truth For You. We're, we are still in Ephesians, chapter 2, 11 through 13. Uh, never, never the Ephesians, great letter about great God. So last week, we talked about the good news, we about who we, who we are in Christ. And the week before that, we talked about who we were before Christ. Today, it's interesting because it's kind of like he's sam Paul sandwiches the bad news and the bad news. You know, as a, but I think understand that is to remember that to appreciate the good news, we have to understand the bad news. Is that we were sinners, we were dead in Christ, we were dead in sins. My bad, my, my bad. But um, now that we are alive, we are loved, we are saved. So today we're going to look about we have to remember things. That's, and that's still the top of my mind is remember. So, before we begin, um, there's this movie called The Lion King. The animated version, not the live action version. And Simba, he's just walking around. He's forgotten who he was, who he's supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, his father appears before him in a cloud. And, and he says, remember who you are. You know, he, he says, you are the king, but also you're also my son. And he says that you remember who you are. And that's what Paul's trying to say to the Ephesians. Is, hey, is remember who you were. And who you are. So today we're reading Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you at were at that time without Christ, alienated from the citizenship of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, who you formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So like I said, um, let's just dive in. Let's just dive in. First point, number one, we get this from verse 11, is that you remember, you are uncircumcised. So it begins with a therefore. And when we ever see a therefore in scripture, we have to figure out what's there for. Usually, it's to pre, uh, it's to bring a, a new thought from a previous uh, from a previous line. And we'll just go back to verse eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not of works that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before Him so that you, that we, would walk in them. So, we are saved by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. You know, and he'll kind of go with this again in Titus, uh, I believe, 1. Oh, let me find it. And he'll say this again in Titus. But what's interesting is that we often forget that we are saved. Or we kind of take salvation not so seriously. Or we sometimes like to cling on to the, the old dull, old habits that we enjoyed. You know, one thing I've often heard but when, when I'm talking the gospel with people is that, well, God is just a cosmic killjoy. Well, no, he's not. He's the cosmic joy who releases us from the killjoys. 
Um, if you want, there's a good book by written by John Piper and many others called Killjoys: The Seven Deadly Sins, and it goes through talks about how how these seven sins, not just those seven sins, but other sins like doubt, um, uncon- discontentment, anxiety, and all those other things that they're they're not there for our pleasure; they're there for our suffering. And God's and, and God's glory is what can save us from that. But like I said, we are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared that we will walk in them. You know, yes, we are saved by faith, and that's it. Sola fide, faith alone. But we still have to work. Not to show that, not to prove, not to uh, plead, not to, let me have a word this, not to, um, not, okay, he's not, we're not, we don't word just to, to show off, like, to God. Like, hey, look at me, hey, yeah, you know, we have to pound our chest, take a selfie with the person we're helping, and all that, but we're, we're there to, to, uh, to please God. And to serve man, because that's what Jesus did. Remember, Mark ten forty five, where I came not to be to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. So, but I think he's re- going back to word is because what's going on at Ephesians Church is that, as he says that the circ the circumcised is being called uh, or calling the Gentiles the uncircumcised. Now, remember, I talked about this in Ro- Romans two. In twenty five to twenty five, circumcision is, is basically just rem, is it, it was an act of showing that they were different from other nations. And here and then, but then when after Jesus dies and goes and resurrects and go to heaven, there are some believers who must say, "Well, you still can be circumcised. If not, you're not you're not you're not a true believer." So Paul is saying here, hey, "No, that's that's not true. That's not true." <laughs> you know. We begin, you know, circumcision, we can roll back to Genesis 17, 13, when God made that covenant with Abraham. And there's and there's many throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, if you want to do this, go on Logos or Accordance or even Google and just type in and start circumcision, you'll see all the different kinds. But there's a physical and there's a spiritual, I think he's talking about here. Because even he says that the the so-called circumcision is performed by the in the flesh by human hands. But what Paul is talking about is the spiritual circumcision of the heart. That God only God can do with his his with 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 a, with a scalpel, with a knife, with a sword. And that and that sword is. The living word of God in Hebrews four twelve says, you know, for the word of God is living after and double edged sharper than any double edged sword, and it can pierce the heart. And that's why I believe Paul's saying, Hey, look, don't get caught up in these these uh, religious pieties. You know, this sacred this was a sacred ceremony, but now it's become a religious piety. And then what happened when, when what happens is they were just ununifying the religion. There was the Christians over here, the Jews, and the Christians over here, the Gentiles. 
instead of having one cohesive group, they're all pointing to this group over here, the Jews, and say, hey, you're not circumcised, so you can't be a, a, a believer. And so Paul is right into this. And we God wants unity. Unity for him. Psalm 133.1 For how lovely is it when brothers dwell in unity. So, let me just say something about unity. When I was in college, my big thing was unity. I want to have unity among other peoples. I wanted people to be together. But as I, as I, but after studying scripture and all this, yes, we still want unity, but we want unity of the same mind. You know, and just to have unity for unity's sake can be dangerous because there are a lot of other branches or denominations of Christianity that may not hold to certain things as you do that, that are what your church believes. You know, some may say that, hey, we are saved by faith. We also, we're also saved by works. Or, hey, maybe the Bible is not the literal word of God. So we don't, you can't take that. Or maybe, you know, Jesus just wants us to love everybody. Well, he does. But in a sense that sometimes we love has to call sin out. So this was a physical pro- problem, but a spiritual solution. And that is the preaching of the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit do His work. Because the Holy Spirit, he, he, He's the one who's sent into us. He fights our flesh. He converts our heart from stone to, to, to flesh. He raises, you know. And this, and because we know from Jeremiah that we our heart is it's sick and it's deceitful and it's evil. God knows that because He formed us. us. Now, he's not done with Israel, as a lot of people believe. No, 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 not by a long shot. All you do is read Romans 9. But in Romans 11, the plan was always to Gentiles to be grafted in, to be brought in. Even Jesus in John says, For I have other sheep who are not of this flock I must call. He's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about us. And we just say something more quick before we move on. This probably will be a shorter episode. Um, we often see people that say, well, my heart is right with Jesus. I don't need to prove it to anybody. And we also see people that who are good, good on the outside, but inside they're, they're dead. If you have a renewed, born heart, you should you should show it. What's the point of being being brought alive if you're just going, you're just going to act like you're dead again? What's the point of being? What's the point of being saved? If you're going to act like you're unsaved, and vice versa. What's the purpose of being dead but acting alive? So the inside and outside, I believe, should match. You know, but we gotta be careful with that because we don't want to become like these, like 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 the ones who are the so-called circumcision. I think in you know, Luke eighteen, um, well, I just want to turn there real quick. 
you know, in verse 10, this is Luke 18, 10, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying these things to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay thousands of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing from a distance away, was even willing to lift his eyes to heaven. But he was beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, the man went down to this house justified rather than the other. For him who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, what I'm saying is that you can look good on the outside. But as First Samuel says in First Samuel 16, 7, Yahweh looks at the heart. God does not care about your giftedness. He does not care about your position. He does not care about who you, you think you are. He cares more about your holiness. He cares more about your heart. But us being dead in sin, we, for those who are dead, don't understand that. And I'll talk about that later. So, we, we got to really be careful though, because sometimes we like to think we're good, but really we're not. So one, we were uncircumcised. Two, we were without hope. It is in verse 12. I could have went with different headings for this one, but I think this heading, I believe the hope is really the central key to these three things that I will, three subheadings that I will talk about. The Greek word for hope is elpis, expectation. Hope is trustful expectation, particularly with reference to the fulfillment of God's promises. Romans 15, 13, one of my favorite verses. It says, so I read it. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of Holy Spirit. See, we get hope from God. And there that's the that's the, the vertical, the horizontal is now showing that to other people. So why are we out without hope? Well, there's three reasons we see right from, right from the scriptures. Or one, you we you are alienated from the citizenship of heaven. So you must be born in the nation to be a, a, a citizen. That's just common law. You know, if you're born in America, you're American. If you're born in Mexico, you're 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 from Mexico, and so on and so forth. And we see from the stories in the Old Testament that Gentiles they didn't they knew about Yahweh. But they didn't know him. And I believe that still kind of happens today with not just everybody with that. Is that uh, we may think we know God. But we just know about him. But we have a head knowledge about who God is. Which is, which is important to have. But it doesn't translate to our heart and therefore doesn't translate to our actions. You know, there's been so many so Christians today, or so-called Christians, who have said, well, I know the, my God. My God is this. My God is that. He's not your God. He is the God. Okay, he is your God in the sense of personal community, as Chapel notes. But... He is, but when you say my, you're saying that this is what I want in God. 
I want them to be in loving and merciful and grace, and that's all that. But I don't want any of this just or holiness or, or vengeance. Or I want this God who brings everyone into heaven and don't talk about this hell. Well, that is that's well then that's that's your God definitely because that's not the God of the Bible. Four, for the the, the fourth sub point is that there was he had, they had no divine depression protection priests or promises. Like I said, God's plan was always to include the Gentiles, but He focused in the Old Testament. Now He focused on Israel, and Israel is God's chosen nation. And we and and, and from that, His plan sorted out. There was also no prophets to the Gentiles. Not that I can think of. Well, there may be some, but, but usually all the prophets were men of Israel. Judges, kings, priests, all of them, Israelites. And finally, they had no message of salvation. Now, we... I can't now. If I remember, I think there are some Gentiles who might have been saved, or who at least followed Israel. I can think of the Exodus, the, the, the Egyptians from the Exodus. I can think of the sailors from Jonah, and so on and so forth. So one, they were strangers to citizenship of Israel. But. Two, they were strangers to the covenant of promise. Let me say one thing about citizenship, though. We have a citizenship now. It's not this earth. It's not Israel. It's not Jerusalem. It's not America. But it's heaven. Yes, when we get to heaven, yes, we're the gold streets, the the angels, the saints. Borg me great, but there's two things I'm looking forward to. And that's one, seeing my Savior, my Lord, my Savior face to face. And two, the absence of sin. That's what I'm looking forward to. So two, that strangers of the covenant promise. So I've talked about, about this before, but there's three covenants. There's covenant redemption, the covenant of works, the covenant of grace. Covenant redemption is, is was what happened before the earth. This was back in Ephesians one. You know when he said, "Before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blessed for Him." He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. The Trinity, even before that, the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, got together and made this plan that the Father would choose, the Son would. Atone, spirit will call and seal. And they said, okay, this is who's going to be saved. Now we don't know how why certain people are saved and why certain people are not. That's all Paul's plan. Covenant of works is what he gave to Adam. And so that's Old Testament. That that's and also I believe that's just everybody, as everyone has to work. Because of the curse. But the covenant of grace is what those who are in Christ has. And we see that God made covenants with Israel. He promised blessing, protection, children, etc. 
you know. And covenants are basically contracts. Like, hey, if you fulfill this, I'll do this. And I believe Yahweh and God. Show, I think that shows a the the anthropomythic of God. Is he's using human terms to to uh, to show that hey he, he can speak on our level, and he ultimately he does that. Goes the ultimate promise, Christ. That's that's what the entire Old Testament points to. There's just some passages, uh, Genesis three for. 15, 2 Samuel 7, Isaiah 53, Daniel 7, Zechariah 9, and there's many more. Christ wasn't just an only Israel thing. It's a, it's a world thing. So, and because of, and so, and thanks, and, and thanks to promises that we see in like 1 Timothy 2, 5, where there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Because of Christ, we cannot we can have intimacy with the Father. Yes, and you know we think about John. John one talks about that great dialogue about Christ. We think about how God and the God literally emptied Himself. That's the kenosis of Christ. He emptied Himself by take by putting on human flesh. That's not some math, isn't it? But one of the reasons Christ came here is not just to fulfill the Testament law, not to die for our sins and be resurrected, not to obey the Father, which all great things He came to reveal the Father to us. Um, because we we can see the Father through the Son. So two, they were strangers to the coming promise, and three, they were out God in this world. Uh, you don't often people don't know their laws until they, until they are found. And Galatians 4, 8, I believe, back that back up. However, the time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which were nature by no gods. You know, so you could be walking along, think you're, everything's fine, and there's someone comes and says, hey, I've been looking for you for the past whatever. And that's what has happened with, with uh, when you, when us before, before salvation, is that we didn't know we were dead. We didn't know that we were lost. We thought everything was good. We thought we were pretty good. Then, then, then God came and said, "Hey, you're not good. You need me." I don't, okay, and so He saved us. He made us alive. Then we realized, "Wow, I was lost." When we look back, as I mentioned, God, God is the God of hope in Romans 15. He is not a hope, but the hope. He is not a way. He is the way. He is not a God. He is the God. That's Jesus Christ. There's no peace without Christ. You know, we often, I'm going to probably go step on some people's toes here when I say this, but I don't like that term, rest in peace. Or because if you have no peace in Christ, there's no peace at all. But, you know, and I think, and, you know, because 
you know, and like I don't know the people's salvation stage when they when they pass away. I hope that they are right with Christ. They are right with God. They repented and believed. But it's hard to say that, especially knowing that they they were they were not saved, and knowing that they won't find rest now. They will be tormented and punished in hell. While I was working at the sea, the you know, while I was working at the casino, I was, I was valet. A guy came up to me. He just kind of told me about what's been going on in his life. He's homeless. He's like, he has no, his wife left him. Kids don't talk to him and so on and so forth. And I mentioned, uh, well, what about Christ? And he said, man, I, I, I'm 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 too hopeless for Christ. And that it set me off. I didn't say nothing. I I like I like I I, I, I lash out, but it set me off. Like, how do you know you're too hopeless for Christ? Have you murdered millions of people? Have you told a lie every single day? Have you... No, I just can't think of what I said. But I said, all that, you can still be saved. And he walked away. We can never out God's grace. Eliminations 3, 22, 23. For every, every morning, his mercies are new. I'll finish this, this section with this by John Piper. How do you qualify for grace? When you realize you need grace. So here's point three. You were brought near. So as I mentioned, to, to, to appreciate the good news, you must understand the bad news. Too many evangelicals today are just, well, just share the good news. But hey, God loves you. God's wonderful plan for you. God is this for you. God is that for you. Well, that is great. They fail to mention that God hates sin. They fail to mention God hates sinners. They fail to mention God's wrath upon them. And they fail to mention the command to repent. The gospel is good news. That's what literally means, good news. It's the greatest news you can ever hear. And it baffles me that people are going to hear this message over and over and over and nothing just clicks. That's all. I mean, ultimately we know it's it's God, but there's also some part in us that we have to accept that or at least ask questions about that. Because it's one thing to never hear the gospel. It's nothing to hear the gospel every single time you go to church or whatever and think you're safe just because you go to church or because you tithe or because you're not like this person and you're not like that person. My friends, that's not true. You can do a million good works and you still fall short for the price of redemption. Like in verse 4, with that but God, Paul uses but now in Christ Jesus. That is dramatic change. He is saying, listen, yeah, you were this, you were this, but now this is who you are. You are in Christ. You know, your, your identity is not in the world, but your identity is in the flesh. Why? Because, by, back to chapter 1, verse 5, by predestinations to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. We are his now and forever. 
Our identity is not in the world, but our identity is in Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. And, you know, we are no longer aliens and strangers, but we're family. And Philippians, I was going to turn Philippians 3 real quick. You know, for all citizenship is in heaven, which we also equal way for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is just a pat. We're just passing through this world. This world is a is, is a rental. It's when we get to heaven, it will be our permanent home. But he uses this term "far off." This is what MacArthur wrote: "Far off" was a common Jewish term using rabbinical writings to describe Gentiles. Those were far from the true God. And brought near. Far now we were far off, now we're brought near. We were away from God, now we're close to God. Ba in the Ephesians Evangelical Exegetical Commentary says they now have access to God through Christ's blood. Man, that's great, isn't it? That's just crazy that how now what the Jews had in the Old Testament, now we have here that we can access the temple. Because of Christ became a propitiation and appeasement to God's wrath, we see in Romans 3 25, 1 John 2 2, we can now en- enter the temple, the holies of holies, because we are priests now. We are a kingdom of priests. I'll end with this. So what can wash away the sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Praise be the God. So Lord the Gloria. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray whoever listening to this that they react to it. To not to me, but to your word. Lord, I pray now that we just have a great rest of our time. And pray, Lord, that you will be glorified and exalted every day. And in your name I pray. Amen. So next week, or next time, we'll be in verses 14 to 18. I'm James Knapp. This has been Truth For You.